0: All right, everyone, welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, here we are for season three, episode 17 of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. I am here with my good buddy. He just finished getting off the phone, making a collect call to Lincoln, Nebraska, to see if Marcus Satterfield might come back, Thomas Bowen. How you doing, dude?
1: Man, man, I am doing well getting off the phone with my boy, Sat, you know, already miss him in Columbia, and I was just hoping to see if he could bring some of our boys back home that have been jumping into the transfer portal, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah man, Uh, we'll get into all that here in a second We've got some big news for the podcast We have joined the Pigskin Podcast Network A network of podcasts all about football, both professional and college We're excited to be a part of that It's going to come along with a partnership with DraftKings And we'll talk more about them in a little while So we're pretty pumped up about that Thomas, I'm pretty pumped up about that Moving up in the world, if you will
1: Absolutely right. And I don't know how this uh, will translate to the audio, but I I need, we got some fancy new sponsors. I I need a hot button for some golf claps here. Very very excited to join the network.
0: We'll start, we'll start getting those things ready. So let's jump into the Carolina. So before I say that, what's funny is, is if you're a loyal listener, which we hope you all are, typically we record on Wednesday nights and put the show out on Thursday. I forgot my recording equipment and couldn't record last night and Thomas boy howdy was it did it change the show lineup just a little bit that we had to record tonight instead of last night cuz there was some some breaking news if you will about the South Carolina offensive coordinator position yeah um, it was a,
1: it was a little bit of a of a happy accident if you will and and i think things worked out mighty fortuitously for us for the show and for the listeners
0: i would agree uh so all point all signs right now point is it dowel loggins
1: (laughs) you know i feel like everybody's having the same conversation and before we started the show tonight i was like man we're both gonna have fun with this one but yeah the best uh, dowel loganes i guess or is that i silent i don't know let's call him loggins
0: kenny loggins kenny loggins uh current tight end coach at arkansas is supposedly going to be the next uh, offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Um, However, later uh, in the day today, all that kind of broke late last night. Later in the day today, today is Thursday. uh, The report started to change that maybe that's not as, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, almost, you know, official as it seemed earlier in the evening and in the morning, the previous uh, day there. Bowen, you know, as you and I had talked about this search process, one of the phrases you kept using was that the longer it went, you were really afraid there was going to be an underwhelming (laughs) candidate. How would you describe this candidate? Yeah, very
1: underwhelming. And in fact, the the more that I thought about it, too, uh, and I can't remember if I mentioned this or not, but I kind of felt like Beamer was laying the groundwork for either a underwhelming hire and or be uh, an in-house promotion or something of the sort because he, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he made the comment within the last couple of weeks I heard in one of his pressers, something about how, you know, there may be guys out there that have not been play callers before in college or that, you know, will be great play callers, but we just don't know that. So everybody doesn't need to get hung up on the guys with the college play calling experience. The jury is out on this guy. This is not somebody with no experience here. And, I just feel like South Carolina had a whole lot of momentum as a, as a program coming out of the uh, the top 25 wins with Tennessee and then Clemson. And then if this comes to fruition, I'm just going to be very, very disappointed with this. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I have to crow on this, but, and and we'll dig into a little bit of his numbers, but just at the outset, I'm not happy about it. I I think we could have done a lot better.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the ways I would describe it is just befuddling. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. One of the things that Shane Beamer has talked about is that the South Carolina offensive coordinator position is much more attractive now than it was two years ago, uh, which I do 100% agree with. Yeah, but that makes this hire all the more strange in my book. You can't tell me there's not other offensive coordinators that would say, hey, yeah, I'd love to come be a part of that. And if you're going with someone out of the SEC and maybe doesn't even have play-calling experience, I feel like there's other guys besides this um, that fit that bill a little bit better. Um, We're going to stick with Logins for now. Has been at Arkansas for two years as their tight end coach. Before that, he spent – the entirety of his uh, coaching career, minus a short stop in Penn State as an analyst in the NFL. Uh, he started off as a off-field scout, moved his way up to the on-field world, and then up to offensive coordinator in the NFL. So all that sounds attractive, Thomas, but when you look at his statistics, the offenses he has run in the NFL have not been substantially... Good or really even serviceable. We're talking, I think the highest ranked one was maybe the 2016 Chicago Bears, and they were 23rd in the nation, all the way down to, I think he was the Texans coach for OC for a year, and they were 32nd in the league. By the way, there are 32 teams in the NFL for anyone (laughs) wondering. So uh, that doesn't scream up and comer resume. Um, one thing Thomas that we can say for certain is that coach Beamer has has told us and shown us he truly wants a multiple offense. He does not want to be in the spread all the time, the spread shotgun. He wants to be multiple between spread and and more of the pro style, maybe under center, traditional tight end on the line, one or two backs in the backfield. Thomas, what are your thoughts on that?
1: (laughs) You know, I think it's funny, and I've thought about this before. I don't think I've ever brought this up, and and I've heard Beamer say many times how he wants to be multiple. He wants to be multiple. Does any coach not want to be multiple? I'm so tired. (laughs) I'm so tired of hearing coaches say, well, we want to be multiple. You never hear a coach come out and say, well, we want to run five wide 90% of the time, and we want to throw the ball 98% of the time. Nobody's going to say that, right?
0: But other than Mike Leach, nobody's saying that. Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: And Mike Leach is is his own entire episode. We could talk about that weirdo. And I love that weirdo. But back to this is it I get that, you know, you can throw out the argument that, well, you know, all of these offenses that that Loggins has has run in the NFL has been devoid of talent. They've been on their last leg. He's been promoted mid season, all that and what have you. I don't care that that doesn't carry a lot of weight with me. What carries weight with me is somebody who can maximize the talent that they do have, regardless of whether you're in college or you're an NFL. Now, we have heard that also, if this were to come to fruition, that. You know, players X, Y and Z pick your poison, top remaining players on the offense are really excited about it, so. We don't know what's happening behind closed doors. We don't know what has been in the works for as long as it has, but I just feel like there are better options out there. And maybe we swung and we missed on some of those, you know, we're talking about Mm -hmm. people that we've mentioned on the show before, whether it's Graham Harrell, uh, Garrett Riley, Kendall Briles, even Jake Spavitol before he went to Cal, but I just think there's better options out there and who knows, whether it's this guy or somebody else, if he comes in and he does great, he maximizes the talent, then so be it. I will say this. I will say one final thing uh, about this hire, if it does even happen, is that it is an upgrade because it is somebody with arguably with more play calling experience, regardless of how good that is or how what level it's on. It is an upgrade. But I also feel like I said the same thing when we hired Bobo his first year in the previous
0: regime. Fair. And, uh, you, you know, I'm going to bring up a quote uh, in retort to what you said about the players uh, that have supposedly said, hey, they're fired up about this this hire. Um, you know, you remember back towards the end of Spurrier's career, he did that whole joke where he came over during the preseason and the reporters were there to talk to him. And he said, you ever, you ever heard a coach come over here and say, ah, well, we couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And, you know, quarterback's terrible. He's got a noodle forearm. Nobody says that. Nobody ever says that what are these these players aren't i mean now granted i guess they could speak with their actions and be like peace i'm out uh i'm going to the transfer portal <laughs> but uh because you know that that's doable nowadays um but i don't see them coming out and saying you know this this is uh yeah i know i'm not staying here for this so i guess that is a positive another positive uh connor shaw quarterback former quarterback for South Carolina who spent some time in the league did have this coach on his staffs and did say that he feels like uh, as he put it, I believe on Twitter, we got better today. So I'm okay with that. But I know Thomas, you, you, you have some feelings there
1: now here. And, and Connor Shaw, if you are a listener, I hope you are. And I, I I love you. I truly do Connor Shaw. You, you, you grew into one of my favorite Gamecocks of all time, but I've got to call a spade a spade here, because if you think back and the, the the tweet is available, if you want to go dig and search for it, but I'm pretty sure that Connor Shaw said the same thing about Kurt Roper that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm paraphrasing, but that this was a good hire, was insinuating that Kurt Roper was a good hire and it was going, and it was going to do good things at South Carolina. And we all saw how that ended. So, As much as I love Connor Shaw, he'll have to forgive me if I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on what he foresees in an office of coordinator of South Carolina.
0: That's fair. That's fair. And uh, one other thing he did say, and I do agree with this statement wholeheartedly, you know, he said, over the two past two years that coach beamer has been our coach he he has overachieved and and you and i thomas me uh, i'm not throwing you under the bus me as much as you um we've questioned him at times over the past two years on this show and at the end of the day let's be honest he's one win away from winning the most ball games for a coach in a two years start to their career uh sadly since will Muschamp, but most ever uh for a coach in the first few years and if he wins the bowl game he's probably got to be one of the first ever to win both not only take us to a bowl game in two straight years to begin his career but also win them both because we lost the first one under Mm -hmm. muschamp so you know he has he earned the right to go hey guys i got this i know you don't love it i got this i would agree but i mean honestly. One of my favorite sayings, and I think Dan Patrick, uh, you know famously of ESPN and many other uh, networks at this point, um, once said that fan is short for fanatic. And when you're a fanatic, you're not rational. You know, we call this show the slightly above average football fan podcast, fan. We are fans of football. We are fans, of particular of South Carolina football. So when you texted me last night, I think it was like at ten thirty or eleven, and we're like, "Have you seen this?" And I was asleep, and I woke up, and my wife was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, (laughs) "We just hired an offensive coordinator I've never heard of in my life." That's a fanatical (laughs) reaction, and so you know that's something that you know we're not going to be rational about, and only time will tell. I'll give you a comparison, Thomas. I'm going to talk about my other favorite football team and that's the NFL uh in the NFL the Philadelphia Eagles been a fan of theirs since they drafted Deuce Staley. my favorite team our new our head coach Nick Soriani has been there since 2021 his second year in the uh, as our head coach when he came to Philly he was the core offensive coordinator in Indianapolis under Frank Wright but Frank Wright called his own play so there was a lot of questions there Fans were questioning the hire and going, man, I, I just don't know if this guy's ready. He's a younger guy. Everybody was questioning it. Then, then Thomas, and this is on YouTube, go look at Nick Soriani's uh, introduction pe- uh, presser for the Eagles. It's a disaster. Like, it is... <laughs> Awful, and you're just like, oh my lord, this guy is not ready to do this. Then in 2001, to start uh, starting in week two, the Eagles went on a three game losing streak, and all us Eagle fans were like, we got to get rid of this guy; he can't stick around. And lo and behold, we're in year two. Philadelphia Eagles are 11 and one. Jalen Hurts is an NFL uh MVP candidate, and AJ Brown's you know lighting it up and everything else. So I say all that to say sometimes fans have knee-jerk reactions, but they're not always right, and that's okay, but they're still fans. And, and so that's why they're not on the coaching staff. You know, Speaking of the NFL, I mentioned earlier, DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and it's my go-to when it's time to bet on the NFL this holiday season. They've got so many different options between same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts that are great, and player prop options. Right now, new customers can get... Can, ju- can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if that team wins. Check this out. Right now, everybody can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings Step Up Same Game Parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a Same Game Parlay, combine multiple bets like which team will win, t- player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger the shot you have to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code TPPN minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details so thomas moving back to the college ranks last weekend was is commonly referred to as championship weekend conference championships are dominating that saturday what are your initial reactions to the big five uh, conference games that are going on? Saturday and Friday, I should say, because you had the SoCal game on Friday.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, should, in the in the playoff era, wouldn't it be more apropos and maybe a little bit more fun if we call this moving day? You know, everybody like positioning that. themselves kind of yes. like uh, on the majors in golf. I'd like yes. that.
0: Saturday um, at the Masters, moving day, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, I dig it, I dig it, and I just want a little bit of royalty from that CBS. If you're listening, That's um, correct. <laughs> but uh, you know, it started off really good weekend. Looking at that again, that Friday night game, I, I, I think I don't want to speak for you, but I, I know myself at least. Uh, I kind of had SoCal pretty much. Not running away with it, but handling that game. But Utah came out and punched him in the mouth, ended up pulling away 47 to 24 on that. Um, I don't want to get into uh, Heisman talk just yet because there was a, a, a highly touted Heisman candidate uh, playing in that game in Caleb Williams. But
0: I'll tell you what else
1: was interesting to me. And I want to know did you get to see much of the Georgia LSU game?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I saw a good bit of that game. Yes.
1: Okay, yeah. So, so for anybody as a refresher, Georgia ended up winning that game in crockpot fashion, fifty to thirty, and just crockpotted LSU to death. Um, but what really stands out to me in that game, um, I don't know if you realize this because it was it's was hard to realize this if you're watching the game because I watched most of that game. But uh, Georgia ended up giving up like over five hundred yards in that game I to LSU. They did. They did. Um, but you know. Michigan over Purdue, 43-22, to 22, kind of about what I saw there. They were still without uh, the running back in that game, but, mm-hmm. you know, still had 225 rushing yards. Again, we're talking against Purdue. There's not a whole lot of parity in that conference. Clemson over UNC in a 39-10. to 10. I do need to point out here that, um, obviously, that was the, uh, the the Cade Klubnick show after DJ got benched and he has entered yes. the transfer portal. We'd be remiss yes. if we did not mention that. Um, but I I have heard already, and I think we kind of saw this coming, that after Cade Klubnick came in off the bench, threw a couple touchdowns, a couple hundred yards, that – well, he should have been starting all year. Man, if he would have started the South Carolina game, they would have beaten South Carolina. Well, Mm -hmm. last time I checked, you correct me where I'm wrong here, but Cave Klubnick does not play on defense and could not have stopped the Gamecock from scoring 31 points, just as a fair point.
0: Absolutely correct. And also, South Carolina's defense was not as good as it had been the year before, but UNC's defense, I think I saw was ranked 115th against the pass pretty bad pretty pretty bad so yeah let's 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 calm down a little bit um and could have would have should have you know you know uh it's too bad yeah i mean maybe if we would have reduced our playbook and our and our uh, personnel groupings uh before the missouri game we we beat we beat missouri and we have a better showing in florida and you know all of a sudden we're nine and three ten and two yeah i mean we can what if it to death
1: yeah, on the flip side of that, we can uh, – if, if yeah, and if Brandon Streeter and or Dabo himself would have handed the ball off to Will Shipley more often, then they probably wouldn't right. have needed Kate club to beat the Gamecocks. Exactly but again, right. But, as you said, we can what if it to death. That game mattered nothing, really, other than no. it ended up putting Clemson in, in the we just got the crap kicked out of us by South Carolina Bowl against the Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> um, now, here's what I wanted to get through. I kind of jumped through some of those the Kansas State TCU game I thought was amazing and I know you best watched that best game of the day yeah, best we, game of the day we were communicating during that can't for for listeners Kansas State ended up beating TCU 31 to 28 in an overtime game that was overtime right yeah
0: yeah went over overtime yeah.
1: so uh, first before we get to the fireworks really impressed with with TCU had just shy of 500 yards of offense very balanced between the run and the pass now that game had a lot of fireworks in it, back and forth. And, and I thought about you, Andrew, when they get to overtime, TCU has the ball first. And, yes. and as, a, as a reminder, college overtime, the team who, who doesn't get the ball first, they get, they get a chance to answer that score, right, in, in the second mm-hmm. half of that overtime. Well, mm-hmm. TCU's coming down. They had third down, third and goal from the one, got stuffed. Comes up, fourth and goal from the one what do you got to do here what do you do in that situation andrew
0: you kick the field goal and you (laughs) get the points
1: yes for once for once i am in complete agreement with you on this that was stupid
0: that was very stupid well and it's even worse in in the overtime because let's say you do score there that doesn't win you the game it's not right. like at the end of regu- end of regulation, you know, if you score there, you take the lead, there's zero time on the clock, you win the game. Score a touchdown there, great. That's fantastic. You still got to stop them. They get a chance to do that. <laughs> they get a chance to do that. So it's, it makes no sense. Like my dad and I talked about after the game, my dad made a great point. He's like, I'm kicking a field goal and saying, you got to score a touchdown to beat me. I'm making you score a touchdown to beat me. And that's your best option there. Now let me let me throw this out there. If I could put my tinfoil
1: hat on for a minute here, what if Uh-oh. what what if Sonny Dykes, head coach at TCU, is looking at this as, look, we're already in the playoffs because I think everybody and their mother knew that unless TCU just gets annihilated by Kansas right. State, they're in the playoffs. So what if Sonny Dykes is looking at this like, hey, we're in the playoffs. I'm not looking for style points here. I don't want to keep my guys on this field longer than I have to, and then get their brains kicked in. We got to get ready for the playoffs. So, what if he said to hell with it? I'm gonna go for it. If I don't get it, let's get out of here and get healthy for the playoffs.
0: I mean, that's that's very possible. He's, you know, what do we have to lose here? You know, we're gonna make the playoff if we if we score here and they don't score on us. We're Big Twelve champions, and that's great. And you know, let's do it. And uh, you know, maybe maybe that is, uh, you know, what he was thinking. On a sidebar there, I heard um, Patrick Mahomes was on the New Heights podcast with Jason and Travis Kelsey, freaking great football content if you're a nerd like us. But he was talking about his time at Texas Tech and, and you know translating to the NFL, and he made a comment about having to learn how to adjust – Cover uh protections, pass protections. He literally said this, Thomas. He said, I mean, dude, I played in the Big Twelve in college. Everybody's rushing three and dropping eight. Like I didn't <laughs> have to I didn't have to worry about pass protection. I was like, Oh my god, we've all been saying it for years. And there it is. A guy who played in that league finally said, Listen, we don't play a whole lot of defense in the Big Twelve.
1: Exactly.
0: So Thomas, all great points. I do have a question, and this is just this is Literally, like uh, this isn't rhetorical. I don't have the answer. Do you think Kansas State has a better season this year if Will Howard is at quarterback sooner? I, I think Adrian Martinez did a great job, but at, for to an extent, but he's limited as a passer. Howard looked like an absolute stud out there. Um, again, we just said you could, you could, you know woulda, coulda, shoulda to death, but looking back, you know, I, and granted, hey, this kid's going to be, he's a freshman, if, I, if I'm if i remembering correctly, he'll be a sophomore next year. You got him for two more years. He can go do great things, but, you know, you can't always catch lightning in a bottle, and I feel like they had a chance at that this year.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I mean, with Adrian Martinez, I mean, the guy's 38 years old, right? Like, he doesn't have That's much right. time left, uh, You so he's got to get in. Get in while he can. Um, it's it's a great question because I think a lot of people wonder that. Particularly, you know, if I'm a Kansas State fan, I would be wondering the same thing. But like you said, they're they're set up for a while. They're good because they're they've got talent there. That gives them time to to backfill talent behind him too. So I'm interested to see if Kansas State can keep up the good defense that they're traditionally known for, and then build that offense around Howard. They're going to be good.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. They they may be a a team to reckon with here very soon in the Big 12. Um so, you know, my reactions are very similar to yours. The only things I would add there, I feel like even though they gave up 500 yards of offense, it it, it, it them being Georgia, I feel like they mostly they never were not in control of that game. Like yeah. they they looked a still to be a freight train that's going to run through, in my opinion, and, and do things. We'll talk more about that here in a second. Um, I thought Michigan was impressive without their starting running back. I believe it's Blake Corum is how yeah. you say his last, you know, <clears throat> out. That's awful for him. I hate that. Um, but, you know, you got to be impressed. And then, of course, my biggest question, you know, we just talked about a lack of defense in the Big 12. Uh, You know, TCU did not win the game, played great. It was a fun game to watch, scoring, you know, back and forth, back and forth, one of those tennis match-type games. But at the end of the day, do they have the guns to stick with these other three in the, in the playoff? And I just don't know. So, Thomas, speaking of which, the playoff is ranked as follows. Georgia, number one, Michigan, number two, TCU, number three, and the Ohio State Buckeyes are back in the game at number four, Tell me your thoughts about those playoff rankings.
1: Yeah, I think they're, uh, I, I think the committee was looking at, at these as they wanted to get the best matchups on TV that they could. And I think they did a really good job with it. I think it's pretty obvious and and thank God for all of us. They did not want another Michigan Ohio state matchup. And I agree with that. I don't think any of us want that at least not in a semi final game. Um, I think, I think this year's Ohio state and this year's Georgia team match up really well. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of Georgia fans that that are looking at how Ohio state finished the season and feeling pretty good about things, but don't, don't discount a coach, particularly a coach like Ryan day's ability to write the ship within four weeks. That is a long time. That's an entire preseason camp essentially, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about, you got a whole nother camp here. Right. Um, but it's. Uh, I think these are these are going to be some good games, and, and I know we'll we'll dig into some expectations here. But I uh, I think they got it right. I think you know a lot of people were talking about is Alabama going to get in? Uh, absolutely not. I mean that that would have things would have just imploded everywhere. So I think they got it right, and I'm honestly looking forward to these semifinal games.
0: And let's be honest, if if you line up Alabama versus TCU. Like, let's say they somehow played in a playoff or a bowl game or non-conference, whatever. Does Bama beat TCU? Maybe. I don't know that for sure. But at the same time, Bama lost twice this year. You know, Mm -hmm. they lost twice. And the way college football is right now, you lose more than one football game and you're a top echelon team, you're out of the playoff. Like, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, we've been joking about it for weeks now. Nick Saban has now all of a sudden advocated for that 12-team playoff. Of course you are, Nick. <laughs> of course. Of the rest, course. Re- everybody else is catching up to you. So, yeah, you know, hey, we lose more than one. We're out. That kind of stinks. Yeah, it, it does for everybody else, too, Nick. Um, but honestly, I think they got it right, too. I agree. They did not want a Michigan-Ohio State semifinal, uh, you know, matchup as a rematch. But – I do think they were rubbing their mitts together going, we could make some big money if Michigan upsets Georgia and Ohio State upsets TCU, and that's for the national championship. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be, you know, you're going to have a lot of people watching that game. Um, So I think that was kind of the other side of that coin, so to speak. Uh, Thomas, I can't help but still think that Georgia runs the table. I'm starting – to get the feeling that they could be the new it dynasty in college football. Now transfer portals and NILs, we're going to talk about that in a minute, make that being that much harder. Now make being that much harder now. So maybe they aren't ready for that and it's harder to do it, but they seem, I was looking at Thomas. I saw on their sideline during the game, like, Two of those, two of their quarterbacks that are you know backups right now that are young kids that I know I remember were be were top five you know like top you know five star quarterbacks that are just sitting there waiting and I was like yeah they I mean you know Stinson Bennett great for him he's going to live in Athens the rest of his life or if he's smart he is and uh, <laughs> he's going to live off this but those guys are waiting in the wings to to you know go win another one. But Thomas, what are your expectations for these for these games? You know. I, I kind of look at this as let's
1: let let's go let us look at that each game individually first for the semifinal games. Okay, how about that? Uh-huh. So so let's talk about Georgia Ohio State first, the number one versus four matchup. And, and I kind of hinted at this earlier about Ohio State. They've got some holes on defense for sure, and they haven't. The problem with Ohio State is they haven't faced a quarterback really good enough to exploit the holes in those defense. But, again, Ryan Day, you give him four weeks to adjust, and I know he's not the defense coordinator, but you give a staff like that time to to adjust, <coughs> excuse me, they're going to fix some things. And so the way that I look at this game is how, how can Ohio State beat Georgia? They're the underdogs here. How can they beat them? Offensive line's got to give Stroud time. Stroud and the wide receivers have to play lights out because you look at Georgia's defense against Tennessee, which was, as we've talked about, regardless of what our gamecocks did to him, arguably some of the best wide receivers in the country. But finally, I, I, I don't want to discount Stetson Bennett. And if my brother in law is listening, who is a diehard Georgia fan and despises Stetson Bennett, like <laughs> this guy is going to be in New York. Okay. And, and he is no longer, he can't play the, the spunky walk on card anymore. Like Mm -hmm. this guy's a champion at this point, but you got to give credit where credit is due. If you look at his stats from this season, four of his five top passer ratings this season have come against teams that have finished in the top 25. That's Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, LSU. Uh, In those games, 75% completion, 296 passing yards a game, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. Like, Give credit where credit is due. Like he's he's he has he does make some dumb mistakes, and I know that's the big knock on him, but he turns it on in the playoffs. And I think you're right that I think Michigan is that new dynasty. Alabama's falling off a little bit, Georgia's on the rise. I hate to see it as a Gamecock fan, but Kirby Smart seems to be doing everything right over in Athens.
0: You mean Georgia's the new the new dynasty? Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, sorry. You said Michigan. I was like, whoa, hey, hey, breaking news. <laughs> That's not bad. My bad. <laughs> we're switching <laughs> things. Uh, Surprise. You know, I was like, holy cow, here we go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I echo what you said there. Stinson Bennett, you're right. Here's a fun stat that I've seen all over the Internet that you've probably seen. He is the same age as Lamar Jackson. They were both what? born in 1997, which makes me feel extremely old. Ooh, but – uh, you know, and how long has Lamar been in the league now? Five years, I think, six At years. Least. Four? I thought yeah, he was about I ready mean, to retire. <laughs> well, he is injured. Um, so, <laughs> but well. yeah, uh, but that that was crazy to me. And you're right, he can't play the woe is me. I'm the poor, plucky, uh, you know, Rudy walk on anymore. Which, which I think <laughs> we'll get into that later. Which I think. He is. T- I think Thomas. It's funny you bring that up. I think he's tired of that narrative. He made a comment after the SEC game, the you know, championship game. They said something. The reporters asked him a question, and he's talking about. He goes, you know, I've got a lot of great players around me, and you know, this, that, and the other. And then he f- he said something to the effect of, "But you know, I'm pretty good at football too." And I was like, "Oh, okay, I see." Good for you. him, got that fade. Think you got think you looking something? Okay, I got you. you looking a little sharp. Him. Yeah, dude, he is that first hit when a big boy lands on you is going to change some some attitude there. <laughs> um speaking of Ohio State, I think you're exactly right. I think Ryan Day is a coach you don't want to toy with when they I mean they got their butt kicked at home. Got yeah. their butt kicked at home. Yeah. Embarrassing for, you know, lost to Michigan for the second straight year. I mean, quite honestly, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. There's Ohio State fans calling for his job. So he he's gonna be ultra focused. And I think of the guys that are draft eligible, I think that CJ Stroud's the most NFL ready quarterback. Um I'm not you know, I'm taking I'm taking uh Caleb Williams out of that because he he's not draft eligible. We're just solely talking about draft-eligible quarterbacks. I think C.J. Stroud is the best. And, again, he did not have a great game against Michigan through two interceptions. So he's got to be looking to bounce back. You're going to have a focused Buckeye team. So switching gears, Thomas, to the TCU and Michigan matchup, I think the question becomes – how good is Michigan without their starting running back? Well, like you said, they rushed in the in the Big Ten championship game against Purdue for over 200 rushing yards, so they seem to be okay. Um, <laughs> Thomas, do you can TCU keep keep up with this? Can TCU keep this going?
1: See, here's here's. What I worry about here is that TCU is basically middle of the pack in in FBS and run defense, and uh, I'm going to use crockpot again, but Michigan could just crockpot them to death here. And yeah, I think it's I think what is going to happen, I think one of two things is going to happen. This is going to be a boat race, and it's going to be whoever's got the ball last is going to win, or Michigan is just going to crockpot them to death, long, sustained drives, grinding it out and keeping the ball, basically playing keep away from that offense.
0: So if you're wondering what crockpotting somebody means, it's it's the slow burn, right, Thomas? It's that <laughs> hold the ball, keep it away from you, slow, boring. boring. Yeah, I mean, the football I like, if we're getting right down to it. Exactly. Grind, you said grind. It. Grind you into a, a, a ball of dust and, you know, win 10 to seven at the end of the at the end of the game and uh, have a bunch of like 14 play drives for eight minutes. Like like my ideal football game is each team only got the ball like eight times because they, <laughs> they just they just kept driving it, you know, and, and so sustained drive four Whoa. yards of play.
1: Well, you you might be in luck this weekend and we'll talk about that game later.
0: Oh man, I love that game. You know I love that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh so Thomas, if national championship, national championship game and we we got time, we're going to get, you know, we'll we'll definitely be previewing that and breaking that down schematically and giving you the Xs and the Os. But as we sit here right now, what is your ideal championship game for all the marbles? Who who do you want to see? <sighs>
1: You know, uh, originally, and, and as you can see it here in the notes, I, I originally said when I was looking at this game, I want to see, I want to see that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Michigan Georgia rematch. I, I think Michigan is is much better, better prepared team. They're a more well rounded team this year. I think they match up better with Georgia. You know, and this is now keep it in mind that last year going into halftime, Michigan was down twenty seven to three. But I just yeah. think they match up so much better. All that to say. Disregard all of that. As we've, <laughs> talked, as we've talked through this, I want to see TCU against Georgia's defense. I would like yeah. to see Sonny Dykes and Max Duggan against that defense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That would be a fun game to watch. Uh, I'm I'm with you there. I, I, With TCU making it into the playoff, I want, because I'm an ultimate pull-for-the-underdog type of person, I want to see him make the championship game. This is, uh, you know, this is Gonzaga winning the national championship in basketball. This is, you know, that, that team coming out of nowhere, Villanova back in the 80s doing the same thing. We don't usually, I just mentioned two basketball teams that we don't usually see this in college football. Mm-hmm. TCU winning the national football championship would be insane. It turns the game on its ear. They weren't even picked to win the conference. Like, I think they were picked to win, go fourth in, in the Big 12. Yeah. And they made the playoff one game away from being, uh, you know, undefeated and the, and the conference champion. So I would love to see the, the, you know, midnight, not strike for Cinderella and they get that title. Uh, I want that. Is there also the, the purist in me that's like, Hey, Georgia, Michigan, the blue bloods, the old school. Sure. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I just love football, and so do you. I want to see – here's ultimately what I want to see. Two very good semifinal games. I feel like in the past several years, we've had one decent one and one blowout almost yeah. every year. I want to yeah. see two competitive games on New Year's Eve where you're you're glued to your TV going, who's going to win this thing? Yeah. And that that's what I want to see the most. And then, of course, a, a competitive championship game. All right, Thomas, we're going to switch gears to the transfer, transfer portal welcome to the wild wild west i love it i love it a thousand over a thousand players have entered into the transfer portal texas a&m and clemson you mentioned uh dju have both been hit hard with nine players i think it is entering the portal there's others who have lost uh, a bunch too and then you have situations where quarterbacks in particular are leaving teams, the starting quarterback for Notre Dame decided to go into the transfer portal. Uh, There's, there's, there's just, uh, there's a lot of people looking to see if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. What are your, what are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because when you talk about people like JT Daniels who are, who are going to their fourth school and correct me if I'm wrong here, but as far as I understood it, I know, in the transfer portal, your first transfer, you get a freebie, you don't have to sit out. But right. after that, after your first, unless you're a grad transfer or something like that, you have to get a
0: waiver. Otherwise, you got to sit out, right? That's right. But he is a grad transfer. Ah, okay. Okay. That I, I I think that's how that worked. I think that's how that worked.
1: It, it would have to be if it's fourth, like, like on the flip side, you look at somebody like Austin Stogner, who was transferring right. as we just learned tonight back to Oklahoma, unless he gets a waiver, he should have to sit out a year, right?
0: Unless he's a graduate transfer, but he
1: shouldn't be a grad transfer. Cause he's still pretty young.
0: I, I don't know. I, I, that's what I'm confused <laughs> about quite honestly. And yeah. let's just talk for a second about our boy Austin. So, I mean, like we're, we're pretty sure that guy's got a girlfriend back back in Norman, Oklahoma. He <laughs> he didn't like being thousands of miles away from her in South Carolina.
1: Must be something. But, but I mean, y- you hear about that, and then obviously Jaheim Bell dropped the other night that he's leaving yeah. as well. And then um, was it uh, 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 Kenyon or somebody else announced today?
0: Yeah, well, he announced he was done with football, that he, yeah, he's so graduated, he's, just, he's stepping away from the game, you know. So,
1: um, so he's retiring. So South Carolina is going into their bowl game basically with zero tight ends and without an offensive coordinator. So, honestly, it makes sense to let Spencer call the plays and just run five wide and go Mike
0: Leach style, right? Might as well. Might as well. Um. Yeah, you got no OC, no tight ends. Uh, you know, hopefully Marshawn Lloyd's all the way healed up now. Um, you know, uh, Josh Van's a little banged up. So South Carolina, but of course, Notre Dame, as I mentioned before, their, their quarterback, I believe is true pines. He's transferred or in the transfer portal. He's not playing their star yeah. tight end is mm-hmm. not playing. And there's, you know, Cam Smith isn't playing for South Carolina. And, you know, Thomas, I've finally, it used to be, that I you were kind of on the side. Well, maybe I'm remembering. I, I want to make sure I'm remembering right. You were kind of okay with guys doing that, and I was hesitant. Absolutely, I, yes. I I'm not hesitant anymore. I Good. really get it. Like Cam Smith could get injured. Like he could get hurt in this bowl game, and he's going to be a everything I read is is top ten or you know not top ten first round talent. That's life-changing money in NIL stuff is great. That's, that's good money. It's not, you know, you're making a good salary. You're doing a lot better than guys did years ago, living off a stipend of like 200 bucks every two weeks or whatever terribleness it was, but it's not millions of dollars. And so, you know, a guy who's, if you're, if you're first round, if if you're going to be a first round pick, I don't have an issue with you sitting out now. I will say, and this is just going to be true. And he had, he, I think, he's pretty much said he's playing. If Spencer Radler came out and said, "Hey, I'm sitting out the bowl game," um, he even supposedly, from what I've read, thinks he might be a third or fourth round pick if he came out this year, which could possibly be a little high in my opinion. He's, yeah. he's only he's only really shown what he can do positively for two games this season. If a guy like that set out, I would be like, "Come on, bro you're you're st- you still need to improve your draft status." You yeah. still need to improve your draft status. Speaking of guys sitting out, I've thought about this. I've always put it in the notes, and I didn't, and now I'm just going to bring it up anyway. Caleb Williams, Thomas, what can he do next season to make himself more money? Like, let's be <sighs> honest.
1: Uh, not, not a whole heck of a lot. Like, I, I kind of see where you're going with this, and I like where you're going with this. We, we
0: had the conversation back in the day about Jadavion Clowney. There were people that said after his phenomenal sophomore season, he should sit out his junior year. And, I mean, he, he sort of sat out his junior year. He, he gave probably 60% <laughs> effort. Um, he sat but, out without sitting out. That's right. He he wasn't putting himself in harm's way. Let's put it that way. Um, I mean, even with NIL, even in L.A., let's say he could work an NIL deal to get, let's call it $2 million next school year. Okay. But, let's say he destroys his knee like we're talking catastrophic and his nfl career never pans out that now you're not leaving 2 million dollars on the table you're leaving 30 40 50 million at maybe minimum 100, even yeah, maybe dollars. like even if you bust even if you bust like that first contract you know he's he right now if he said you know what i'm i'm going to sit out i'm going to spend this next year getting ready and uh, I'm sitting out. He'd still go top ten. You'd have teams that would say, "Oh, I don't like that. He doesn't love football." Blah 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 blah. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some teams that are like, "Okay, maybe not." But guess what? He's still super talented. Yeah, he, and that's you know one know
1: less like... year of him getting his brains beat in, and we can correct in our organization.
0: Exactly. All right, but so we can get through our our notes today. Talk. Let's talk coaching changes for a second. First on the docket, Thomas, I think we'd be crazy not to start here. Blends well with the transfer portal. Coach Prime is going to Colorado to to coach the Buffs, and he went into his first team meeting and essentially told his players in that meeting, y'all need to hit the transfer portal. I'm bringing my luggage with me, and it's Louie. Like, that's the most Deion Sanders thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, that is amazing. Um, Supposedly, there are 200 recruits and transfer portal guys. I would not be shocked if Jaheim Bell ends up at Colorado next season. I'm just saying that. I would not be shocked by that. This, everybody wants to be on the coach prime train, man. And uh, Thomas, do you think this is a reach by Colorado? I mean, has Dion proved, hey, I can do this enough? I, I do think
1: it, it, well, here's why I don't think it's really a reach by Colorado. Like things are very, very bad in Boulder right now. And they have been yeah. very, very bad for a long time. I think they're perpetually like four and eight. Dion can go in there, honestly, and very quickly can get them bowl eligible. I think like year one, possibly, definitely by year two, based on his name alone. Dion is not a a tactician. He's not an X's and O's guy. He is the CEO. He is prime time. As long as he can get good OCs and DCs in there, I think he could do some good things there. But it's going to be short-lived. We all know that he's using this as a stepping stone.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. Another big change, probably the other biggest change that's been announced right now: Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. Uh, and along with that, and we're going to talk about what in the heck's going on in Chapel Hill. Phil Longo is going to Wisconsin to be the OC first with Fickle. Thomas, did you find this surprising? I found this surprising.
1: Uh, I, I did, and and again, don't know what's going on in Chapel Hill. In fact, like. We had even heard Phil Longo's name, at least somewhat loosely, but attached to the South Carolina OC job. So I, I never thought there was really any traction to Phil Longo to South Carolina's OC, but it is interesting to see him jump in that Mac Brown ship.
0: Yeah. And my dad brought up a good point. Dad's got a couple shout outs uh, tonight. He said he kind of is starting to wonder is Mac Brown told the team and staff kind of internally? Hey, I'm going to retire after the bowl game. I'm I'm done. And did Phil then say, "Okay, well, am I going to be the head coach?" And the administration said, "Oh, yeah, we're not willing to to commit to that." Um, and he said, "Okay, cool, I'm out." Because we're seeing a lot of Chapel Hill's players transfer out too. There feels like something's going on. Feels like people are abandoning ship.
1: Yeah, and I mean, at least uh, if that is the case, at least Mac Brown kept it in house, unlike Spurrier. Spurrier could take a page or two out of his playbook on that.
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, the other strange uh, coaching change we're going to talk about: Scott Satterfield, not Marcus Satterfield. No relation. Scott Satterfield is filling the gap and Cincy that Luke Fickle left. What on earth is Cincy no doing? Like no idea. You this was the best you could do. I feel like they panicked and were like, uh uh give us Scott Satterfield, let's go. Yeah, it, that that was that was such a
1: bad hire for them. I mean, a bad hire for Cincy. This guy was, I think he was 25 and 24 in four seasons. And Cincinnati is also, don't forget, about to join the Big 12. Like, and right. they thought this is the guy that's gonna bring them back to the promised right. land. Come on, man.
0: Exactly. On. And so apparently he told his players over FaceTime. Like, come on, dude, that's, that's, you know, we, we try to keep it clean on this show, but that's chicken shit. Like if you're, if you're leaving, get up in front of your boys and say, Hey guys, I understand. I know this is going to upset some of y'all, but I'm, I'm heading out. feel like it's time for me to move on, you know, take those slings and arrows, be a man and take that, um, also, supposedly, some of his players, former players, reached uh, put out on Twitter that when there were rumors about him coming to South Carolina, I guess with the Will Muschamp hire, I think, or was that during the Shane Beamer move of two years ago?
1: I think it was the the uh, the Shane Beamer hire process. Okay. All right, yeah. they said he basically about, like begged for an interview. I think he was never really a legit candidate, was he?
0: No, I don't think so. But his players were saying that he made them tweet out about how great of a coach he was and Jesus. how much they loved him like this Come guy on. dude what a joke um he's the worst now, now the good news good news for louisville is their former quarterback jeff Brom. is that how i say that's how i say his last name correct yeah okay that's right from from purdue who has done great things at purdue is coming home to be the head coach of the cardinal and cardinals and they got to be happy about that
1: yeah i think so too and um you know, uh, has speaking of Purdue though, has uh, they haven't already jumped on anybody, have they?
0: No, uh, I mean, I think this is relevant. I don't even think it's official, official yet that Jeff Brahms like going. Okay. I think he's told. I think he's told the team. I don't even know if he's been uh, introduced for Louisville yet. So yeah, I think we're still early in the process. Well, the good
1: thing for Jeff Brom is, you know, again, following somebody like Scott Satterfield, you don't really have to do a whole lot. It's low-hanging fruit. So I think – and it's a good fit for him, and it's a good fit for Louisville, honestly.
0: I agree with you. And, I mean, he's he's a, a beloved figure there. Yeah. You know, let, you know let's say – I'm I'm trying to think of somebody. Oh, this is hilarious, so I'll bring this up. Um, Jake Bentley just became, I believe, the quarterback coach at, at North Alabama. And what's – nothing – funny about that that's great for him build that college coaching career buddy um somebody already put on the message board when somebody put that out there like i would rather have him as oc than who we're getting so (laughs) that's that's hilarious but somebody like that who played for you they get a little bit more of a leash yeah jeff jeff braum's gonna get some time just because he's jeff braum and uh, he he played there all right final thing before we head out the door thomas the heisman vote is this weekend it's an interesting group who who do you think's winning the Heisman?
1: All right. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing this out because I'm looking at the notes here. Let, let me – because my notes are blank here. I want you to tell me who you got winning the Heisman, and let me see if I'm on the same side of you or not.
0: Okay. Again, I think I go back to what I said earlier, that C.J. Stroud has been a phenomenal football player this season. He is a junior. He is going to go to the league next year. Like that's happening. If I was giving to purely on talent and impact of his team, I'm giving it to Caleb Williams. But the way they do the Heisman voting is you you rank them right. You you vote a guy one. You vote a guy two. So what I'm doing because I know Caleb Williams, unless he takes my advice and sits out next year, is coming back next year. I'm voting him second. I'm putting C.J. Stroud first, voting uh, voting Williams second, and then just letting it play out from there. Let the dominoes fall where they will, and I feel pretty decent about it.
1: Okay, so what you're essentially saying is uh, this is C.J.'s last chance to win it, so I'm going to give it to him because Caleb can win it next year. That's essentially what you're saying, right? Exactly. Because – I, I, I While I do disagree with that, I think now, whether or not it is or not, the Heisman needs to be given to the the best player in the country, bar none. Now, it has turned into essentially the best quarterback on the best team if you look at the four that are invited to New York. I think, yeah. hands down, that Kayla Williams is better than C.J. Stroud. The numbers show that he's better than C.J. Stroud, and he's a better quarterback, and I think, yeah, sure, he could win it two years in a row, but so be it. If it's given to the best player in the country, then he should get it two years in a
0: row. And that's fair, and that's happened. That's that's happened in the past, and and you know, they've started giving it to younger players and all that good stuff. So, you know, I mean, it's that that has changed. Um, I do kind of wish it was based on truly the best player. Like, agree, yeah, truly the best. Take record out of it. Who's the most talented football player in college football right now? And and give him that award, and, Thomas, yeah, and I
1: think I, I think even uh, and you you probably remember this better than I do, but I think my father in law pointed out to me earlier back when George Rogers won at South Carolina, didn't South Carolina have like a like a three losses that year, like eight and three or something like that. It-
0: yeah, basically, that was back in the days when they gave it to seniors, like it was a senior award. And so George got it, and Herschel Walker was a freshman that year, and they won the national championship in 1980. They won, Georgia won the national champion, and they ah. beat us. They beat us, and he had a great season, um, but he was a freshman, and George was a senior, and I don't care. We have a Heisman Trophy, and Clemson doesn't. So that's you know just how that works.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Caleb Williams has locked it up, and I think uh, I think that's
0: well-deserved.
1: I don't disagree with you, though, that I do think that C.J. Stroud is the best NFL-ready quarterback better than Bryce Young. I agree with you.
0: Totally agree there. Um, and, and if and if Caleb won, I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like I'd be like, okay, I mean he's best player in the country. Um, yeah. you know, that's fine. So I said that was the last thing we were gonna talk about, but you had brought this up, so I'm not gonna let you get away with not talking about it. There is a really big football game, one of the oldest rivalries in college football, Thomas. It is a national tradition, Army Navy, Saturday, Dude. 3 p.m. Option football. Option football. <laughs> Here we go, baby. Tell me you're not excited for that game. I would rather watch
1: Portugal play Nicaragua in the World Cup. And I <laughs> barely, I barely care about the World Cup. I definitely don't really care about it now that the U.S. men's team is out. So right. I am really disappointed and depressed about this weekend. This is the weekend that happens every year between the end of the regular season and bowl season. So I will probably spend my Saturday on YouTube watching replays of the glory days of South Carolina football.
0: Nice. That's going to be fun. Uh, I'll be watching this game. It's one of my favorites. Uh, One of my former high school teammates and a really good friend of mine played at Navy. So go Navy beat Army. And uh, if anything, tune in at the end, you know, maybe around, I guess, uh, let's say 630, 530, because it is fun to watch when they do the where they sing the song when they both fight for their school fight song. So whoever wins the game, their fight song is played second so like they all stand out there they watch them sing you know it's very patriotic it's very great and then it's awesome to watch whoever won go absolutely wild like the guys jump into the stands the cadets are losing their minds or the midshipmen whoever it may be so it is awesome I I, I love that part almost as much as the great option football um, <laughs> but anyway alright guys that's our show for this week uh, we will be taking next week off just because we are in the middle of, as Thomas said, kind of a quiet time in college football. We may jump on just depending on what happens in the world of South Carolina uh, offensive coordinator search, but that is uh, about the extent of that. But we are most likely off next week. We are, again, very excited to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network and to be partnered up with DraftKings. Check them out. Get all your action there. Thomas says we head out the door. Tell the people whatever you want to tell them.
1: Everybody, enjoy your weekends. I'm sorry that you're going to be stuck with some boring option football. Fire up that YouTube and watch some good football.
0: <laughs> See ya. Bye.